Hello and welcome to another Langanless version of Newstalk's SSE or Tristy Lee podcast. Myself, I am Richie McCormack. I am Daniel Kelly, and some may say the Langanless version. It's bore more fruit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It really has. The past couple of weeks have been dynamite. Um, and today is... Uh, we feel today could be a good show. Well, we don't want to big it up too much, but by God, we've got the star of the season so far, Mr. Kenny Shields on the podcast this Kenneth, afternoon. as he likes to be known as he does friend, he likes, family and friends. He, he, it is Kenny. We're all already right to call him Kenny, aren't we? We are. Call him later on. Uh, yes, Kenny Shields, the Derry City Manager, and he's been front and centre uh, this week in the news, despite the fact that Dundalk are, and should be, I suppose, star of the show because they are in European action this week. Now, we're going to do two versions of the podcast. Um, we're going to do the preview version because obviously Dundalk, as we speak to you, uh, will be playing AZ Akmar this evening. And if you're listening to this on Friday, of course, uh, they have played AZ Akmar and they have gotten on very well. 87, 88 minutes gone. The free kick will now be taken by Daryl Horgan on this left-hand side, right-footed, in swinging. Can he find a dangerous ball? It is a good ball! Yeah! It's in the back of the Who has come on Brilliant. and missed the Dundalk here? Yeah. 89 minutes gone. Brilliant. Dundalk, maybe a man down. They yeah. may have been a goal Absolutely down, brilliant. but now level. Get in there, you lad, Jack. LMFM's Adrian Taff and David Crawley there calling a famous goal on yet another famous night for Dundalk FC in Europe. Kieran Kilduff's header in the 89th minute secured a one-all draw for Stephen Kenny's side at AZ Alkmaar. It was a result the Lily White's manager told Air Sport afterwards that they deserved. You know, I think we didn't win the game. That's the first thing I said, that we haven't won it. But it feels like a win because, you know, to be one down and down to your captain gets sent off um, against, against, you know, an exceptional team like AZ and to rally back, defend the way we did and, and have, the, have the belief to go and get the equaliser. Um, you know, we never doubted that we could get an equaliser. We always believe we can. And um, Kieran Kilduff showed... You know, what he does best, he's a goal scorer and, uh, you know, we missed him in Poland having that option. Uh, he was injured, obviously, but we've we seen his value tonight. After the goal, Dundalk had to weather nine minutes of added time owing to the long delay after Alkmaar goal scorer Stein Vitens was knocked out in a coming together while scoring with Dundalk keeper Gary Rogers. Goal scorer Kilduff was delighted they could see the game out. Probably the longest ten minutes ever followed and I was, in the I, was, I was only on and my legs started to go. So uh, the lads, we held out in the end. It was... Uh, it was important we did because we deserved it, you know. I, I thought up to maybe their goal and obviously Stevie being unfortunate getting sent off. We were the better team, I thought, on the night from watching it on the sideline anyway. I thought we had chances and then, um, you know, they get a goal and, you know, we go through maybe a, a rocky 20 minutes and then um, I think if you look at the match as a whole, um, I think we got what we deserved. Dan McDonald was in the stadium. He spoke to Joe and to Kevin on Off the Ball after the game and said that the Stephen O'Donnell sending off and Rogers' faux pas for the goal would have left a bad taste in the mouth had Dundalk come away last night empty-handed. I think that would have infuriated them. I think like the aftermath, if they'd lost 1-0, it just goes to show the goals can just change the whole mm. story. But for two experienced players, you know, I know the lads both very well. Like They would be gutted with what they did, as in Gary and, and Stephen O'Donnell. I mean, you know, they've... You, you wouldn't think it would be two experienced players that would make mistakes like that. But I think that's what will, in a strange way, you know, Kenny will take a lot of heart from the fact that other players stepped up. You know, did other you, did you hear from Kenny responded. yet, uh, Dan? Yeah, and always we spoke to him and he's like, you know, he's genuinely and, you know, he... he his message is very much, and people, I suppose, will read some of it tomorrow. Like his point is, and even yesterday, his point was he was determined to show that this was going to be different than, say, Shamrock Rovers in 2011 when they got through, and that was great. But they almost took themselves by surprise, and the group stage was a bonus. He really hasn't spoken in that way at all. And his line afterwards was pretty much that this is almost for the people of Ireland to say, no, we weren't just satisfied with, with taking part here. Um, that they that they wanted to to compete and and take points and this isn't the end and I, I think you know you listen to them and you watch the way they play it and you think yeah I'm really looking forward to these other games now and and seeing how they get on because um, this is arguably you know the tough one of the toughest games they would face in the group now I'm not going to get carried away here and um, there might be still a bit of a surprise element as much as AZ were respectful and I'm sure every other team will be fully have their cards marked now but. It's it's just an encouraging start, and they're only going to get like this is the thing. Like they've played seven European games now this year. Um, they're they're encountering new things, but it's not that new to them. You know, you know, with the more games that they play, 
and um, once the schedule doesn't completely knacker them out completely, uh, they've got a chance of competing well across the rest of the group. Dan, it's just the, 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 the constant question that, that we keep asking. It's about these players being selected as well for, for Martin O'Neill's squad. I know that uh, listening to or seeing a few of the quotes from Stephen Kenny tonight is all about Daryl Hogan saying it's going to be difficult for, for Dundalk to keep hold of him long term. How realistically, or how realistic is it to suggest that one or two of these lads could be in the next squad? Well, I, I wonder about the next squad, just with, with it being two qualifiers. And in a strange way, you know, Stephen Kenny wants them in the squad. Of course he does. Um, but he's also, because like the League of Ireland obviously operates at the same time as the international break, he's probably going to want them around. Yeah. Because they're going to be playing through that. But I would say you've got November coming up. And um, there is talk of a friendly international in November around the Austria game. It was a game against USA a couple of years ago around that time where... Uh, I think David McGoldrick met his debut. Cyrus Christie met his debut. I, I honestly see no reason why mm. um, Daryl Horgan, for one, couldn't be brought into that squad. It, it, in a way, you know, Kenny and O'Neill have a good relationship. The dog are going to be out of season almost at that stage, and I think they'd like to have them involved, a couple of bodies involved to train. And I think, I think that will happen. I, I really do think that some of them will be called in to train, but I, I also feel that they want it to be more than that. And um, I, I think it will be interesting just to see. Look, Horgan is the main one, I suppose, but there's a couple of others as well, maybe. Look at Andy Boyle defensively, he's done quite well, and yeah. a couple of others that I don't I don't want it to be tokenistic. Like, you know, no, I don't no. want it to be. No, but I, I, I I'm with you there. So, that, sorry, Dan. You know? I, 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 that's why sometimes it, it, I didn't want to sound like patronising and say that this performance again is, is, is as good as what it is, but. I see, I see Daryl Horgan, and again, you've seen a lot more of him than I have. I'm, you know, I've, I've seen bits of him over the last year or two, but there's no reason to suggest that these players can't play at the level that, that we've seen our boys complete, competing at within the, the World Cup group now, because they've got this, the European experience behind them, and they've also got now um, this real clamour for them to be selected as well that's going to be pushing them forward. Yeah, and I suppose if it's on merit, Kevin, like you look at the positions. I mean, if okay, maybe if we had eight wingers in the Premier League doing extremely well, yeah. then it's a, then it's a different discussion. But actually, like the last Ireland squad, you've got okay, McGeady is now finally doing things at Preston, and that's good news. You know, it seems to like he's taken off there a bit. You've got Callum O'Dowda, you've got McLean, but we don't necessarily have a huge amount of wingers really knocking on the door. I mean, O'Dowda got his chance, and, and Martin O'Neill spoke about it because it's a position where we're not particularly strong. So really, I, I, I think you want it to be on merit. And if there's a position where you're not particularly strong and it looks like someone has attributes that can really hurt teams at a good level, uh, you know, uh, there's, there's times in the past where people have been calling for League of Ireland players to be in the squad and I haven't necessarily agreed with it. Um, but I think the momentum here at the moment should be genuine because uh, he, he is one, certainly, who I feel... Um, he's 24. We don't necessarily have a, a great array of young players knocking around the place at the moment. And 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 why not? All, all he can do is go out there, go in there, and see how. Maybe maybe it's not, maybe it it may, it may not work. But but why not try? I think the the case is compelling now. Let's leave the final word on this to Stephen Kenny, reminding us all that there are still five more games to go in Group D. Now, hopefully that 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 result even captures the imagination back home again. That this our, our run isn't at an end, and we're not just going through the motions in the group. You know, we want to do well in it and um, I hope that we get a, a big crowd in Tala for the, for the visit of Maccabi to, uh, to Tala and uh, hopefully we can get the result that we need. Now, back to the pod. And a little bit more on Cork as well, who, despite the fact that they are now 10 points adrift in the league, a very, very impressive side, an impressive outing in the FAI Cup last week. Against the Cup Specialists. Cup Specialists, Shamrock Rovers. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. And uh, yeah, we'll be hearing from Stewie Byrne on that one. Also, the manager, John Caulfield. And when fixture congestion has been front and centre, we'll hear from Ollie Horgan, the Finn Harps manager, for I suppose the different side of the coin on this one too, because Dundalk obviously have a lot of fixtures. Cork now have a backlog of four games in the Premier Division to make up on Dundalk. And other sides being impacted by the European runs, the cup runs of different sides. And Harps are one of those looking at the table. Only Dundalk, Cork, and Finn Harps have played twenty four games or less. Everyone else has played twenty five or twenty six. Yeah. So I know Harps have. Uh, they were very unhappy with uh, the game against Dundalk was postponed twice due to cup issues, due to European issues, and was finally played on Monday night. Uh, but we have to congratulate Dan Kelly though because this has been a week of hashtag numbers for Dan, and it's a special moment for all of us here uh, within the. There is a microcosm of. Uh, pro wrestling aficionados within the uh, Air Tristy League 
aficionados within news talk. So it's a sect within a sect within a sect. Which is basically just the two of us. Exactly. Yeah. And Keen probably I think as well actually. Young Keen. Oh yeah, Keen Roach. Yeah, he likes all that. Um, So yeah, you got to speak to the one and only uh, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, I did. Baldo's finest. Do we know who she sports in the league? Uh, Yes, we do. And we shall say that on another day. Really? Yeah. Well, she's from Baldoyle, so I'd say geographically you can have a guess if she is a League of Ireland fan. Right. Uh, some teams in that area she may or may not support. Wow. Mm. Okay. Didn't think... An exclusive there. The lyncher was uh, was heavily involved in the League of Ireland, but there you go. Uh, I know Seamus is a Bowes man. He is. Uh, he's been pictured with the jersey before. He was uh, formerly of the Carber region as well. So and it's definitely Bowes country for Seamus. Uh, Finn Balor must be a Bray Wanderers fan. Flying high like a seagull, Finn Balor. Yeah. <laughs> Fergal Dowett. Just once, right? Because the other way... You always see, um, well, you used to see anyway, especially. Well, in this conversation, how many listeners have we already God, lost? we've lost everybody. Kenny Shields, still coming. <laughs> always forward sell. Always forward sell. That's what they used to tell us in radio. Um, we used to hear before that, uh, or used to see before, I don't know, just to pop a crowd, you'd see, that's to get a crowd reaction, kids. You'd see wrestlers come out in jerseys of the hometown, or if they wanted yeah. to be booed, they'd come out in the jerseys of the rivals. The Snoop Dogg paradox. Yes, exactly. Or... Uh, Bret Hart was always a good man for it. He'd come out in a Edmonton Oilers jersey, etc. If he was up in Canada, eh? Canada, because eh? he is uh, Canada's national hero. Um, but I want to see some of that now from yeah. your modern WWE superstars. I've seen Seamus a few times has come into the ring in. I think he wore an Irish rugby jersey after the Six Nations a few years ago, and maybe it's just with, with sponsorship. Or we're, we're yeah, we're hamstrung by that. Yeah. I don't think you know. We'd have a great problem with Mr. Green being seen on, on US and worldwide TV, yeah. would we? On on the USA Network. I don't think Mr. Green are going to take WWE to the yeah. cleaners for flashing the logo <laughs> for free, are they? Conley's Volkswagen. I don't think so. Conley's Volkswagen, yeah. no. Plenty of these teams. Uh, it could be, you know, Clannacilty, Black Pudding. They'd be delighted if there was a Cork superstar. And Irish, the, the Irish American audience alone for that, would everyone would be mad for a bit of Black Pudding. That's the thing, though. It, this is one of the small things. These are the small things that kind of make differences. Yeah. I remember seeing, this is completely disconnected. Again, Kenny Shields is coming up on the show, kids. Um, they were talking about jersey, not jerseys, but necessarily t-shirts. There's an interview I saw with Rankin Roger of Ska Specialists and Ska Mainstays, The Beat. He was saying that how when Sting wore one of their t-shirts in the Don't Stand So Close To Me video of the police, not yes. the beat, of course, that their t-shirt sales just skyrocketed. So can you imagine what it would do for a Bray Wanderers yeah. if Finn Balor was to come out on TV in a but even so something so simple as before the European Championships when all the ex-League of Ireland players wore the jerseys of yeah. their teams yeah. uh, Daryl Murphy was in a Waterford jersey it had no sponsor on it those pictures went all over the country and further afield and they've been used as advertising uh, in maybe pro and anti-FAI yeah, ranks yeah, but that picture has now become synonymous with your 2016 and there was no sponsor on it for Waterford where Bohemians Derry City Sligo Rovers, uh, Cork City, all had their sponsors front and centre. Did yeah. There was nothing there for Waterford. Uh, you know who could well sponsor them now, given that uh, Daryl is now at Newcastle United, the Rafa Benitez Foundation. The how, fund- cla- <laughs> how, how class would that be? The foundation. Rafa Benitez's website could sponsor themselves yeah. on Waterford. United is that still active? I know his Twitter account is, but I don't know if the website I think is. It is. Yeah, a tactics blog on how Dwight Gale is leading the line in the championship. Once they interviewed him about the website before, many moons ago, in a different job capacity entirely. And Had it something to do with Kenny Shields coming up on the podcast Kenny later? Shields is coming up on the uh, podcast very, very shortly indeed. So stay tuned, uh, kids. Uh, <laughs> kids. We have to mention as well, you mentioned Euro 2016. We've got another patronising pat on the forehead by UEFA as we speak to you today. Ireland, one of three countries to be awarded a good fans award for or Euro 2016. So we didn't get, that's not as good as we did in Euro 2012. We've sure. to share it with Norn Iron, who yeah. in fairness had the songs, the and Wales, who had the far better performance than was yeah. on the pitch. And the songs, and Land of My Fathers as an anthem. As an anthem alone, which is far better than Aaron Levine. Yeah. Uh, sorry about that, Celtic fans, um, but you're probably going to get onto me in your droves with that one. Decent week for Cork, Dan. Very good week for Cork. It was good, indeed. Good win on Friday night against Shamrock Rovers. Cup specialist, Shamrock Rovers. Specialist, Shamrock Rovers. Still haven't won the cup in my lifetime, but they are the cup specialists. <laughs> Jesus, that's put it into context, isn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yes, they haven't won the cup in my lifetime. It's 1987 was Shamrock Rovers' last cup win. Yeah. Um, at what point, this is actually something I'm kind of curious about. When we get on to it, we'll hear from uh, John Caulfield and Stuart Byrne in a moment and Kenny Shields a little bit later. Um, but at what point does it go from being you know, uh, nudge, nudge, wink, wink, weren't Rovers, the Cup Specialists, to veering into St. Pat's-esque levels of cursedness? Well, we need to look at how many finals they've been in since then. Obviously, the last one they were in was the opener in the Aviva Stadium against Sligo Rovers and lost on penalties. Oh, you said that so magnanimously. No, well. but, no, oh. seriously, like, for a team, they have 
they regularly get to the latter stages yeah. of the cup competitions. I remember the year Sporting Fingal uh, won the competition. I think Shamrock Rovers lost them in either the quarters or the semis. And what was a big shock? Yeah, it was. It's like they have, they get through the early rounds and then they get to the quarters or semis and they just somehow lose. And I know the team at the minute isn't as good as previous Shamrock Rovers teams, but to lose 5 0 at home in a cup quarter final to Cork City is certainly not the result Stephen Bradley was looking for. It's not, but then again, it's something that they're going to point towards for the rest of this season and even if they do miss out on the place in the Europa League uh, qualifiers they're building for the future youth was behind pretty much everything that they wanted to do especially in the second half of the season and it ultimately led to the departure of Pat Fennell as manager because you know it's not something that necessarily he was 100% on board with um, but it was to put it uh, you know mildly and a brilliant blinding impressive performance by Cork City and uh, speaking on off the ball on Tuesday it was something that particularly impressed Jimmy Byrne Awesome! Uh, they were awesome. They were up. They were that was the best I've ever seen. Uh, uh, best I've ever seen a Cork team play. To be quite honest with you, I, um, I I don't normally associate Cork teams with being as dynamic and um, as as f- kind of free flowing football as they play. Play three up front. They they it, honestly it could have been seven or eight. They were absolutely outstanding. Now of course we should bear in mind that Rovers, since Stephen Bradley had taken over, I think they'd play up up until. Up until this game, they had played nine games and they were playing this three-five-two system, mm. um, and you know they were starting to put a, you know a couple of results, results together. I think they'd won four or five, drawn a couple, lost maybe one, but they hadn't played anybody really. Right. Um, and when I watched them play Pats last week, they played the same system and Pats to be you know if Pats were anyway better, they would have capitalised on it as well. But Pats are going through a bad spell at the moment. That game finished nil all. Mm. However. Cork completely capitalised on it. They were they just tore them asunder. Right. So absolutely tore them asunder. Uh, Rovers played three at the back. Cork matched them three up front. So it was literally one v ones all the time. Dooley was outstanding. Maguire's movement outstanding. Got a hat trick. Could have got four or five. Five nil Dalvan. Goals able to come from everywhere. They they did tear them apart. It was like it wasn't. It wasn't a fluke. That was no. a five nil win. Sean Maguire was excellent. The team was excellent. Just the attack. I've seen a, few, a lot of people say on social media that it is it's the best they've seen Cork play in recent memory and definitely under that's, Caulfield. Yeah, that's what Stewie said. It's it's the best. And you know, he's been, God, he's been around the league enough. And he's yeah. played Cork sides enough, and he's given out about Cork sides enough yeah. down through the years. Um, you see, a, a certain teams have these reputations as they play the ball on the ground. They're long ball yeah. specialists. Cork would have always been seen as a more direct side. Last and few years now, kind of bore that out because they didn't really yeah. have the legs in midfield in particular when you think to the Liam but, Millers and Colin Healy's but anchoring but it. Baldur coming in has been excellent. Yeah, just uh, an incredible player. Sean Maguire up front has been a massive Well, difference. I want to say a word about Sean Maguire because the thing about it is is that a lot of players can come back to the league and not necessarily pull their weight and there's a couple of mine that I'm thinking of and I'm not going to name out loud because it's probably unfair to, to single them out but there's some who come back to the league and think that they're going to you know walk this and they're going to you know take it in their stride. Sean left Waterford, went over to you know West Ham. Then came to Sligo Rovers after. Then came to Sligo after that. Didn't do as good as we would have hoped he would have done there. Then he went to Dundalk, second half of last season, did decent enough, and now he's just found his he's found his former Cork. Because I think at Sligo might have been a shock to the system to come back. Dundalk, you're always battling for elbow room there, especially with somebody like Dave McMillan who's in yeah. form and with uh, Richie Tell still as he was there. But when he come, he, I think from the get go he was made to feel the star of the show. He's the Cork. main man. He's, he is. He's the number nine. And it's working. Even with a Carl Shepherds and yeah. such like in the squad too. It's, it, I mean, it's fantastic to see and it's only going to spur them on. And when you look at the league table, yes, they are 10 points adrift and games in hand are not points in hand as Brian Clough always said. But God, I'd fancy them to win the league from this point on. Really? Yeah, because the Dundalk thing... I still think it's Dundalk's to lose. The Dundalk thing, you know, yes, they have the, the points in the bag and the games in hand and all that kind of thing. But Cork have only lost twice over the course of these 22 games. Yeah. They've, you know, scored a decent amount of goals. Their defence is the tightest in the league. Uh, they've only conceded 10 a goal every other game which is like that's a, we talk about Sean McGuire we talk about the ability to score goals from anywhere and Stephen Dooley and the midfield anchored by Greg Bulger etc but you know if your defence aren't conceding and it's a defence that suffered a lot of major losses the likes of Dan Murray over the past couple of years you know that's a brilliant base to build on and when you're going into those games in hand you don't necessarily have the European distraction you just have the cup on the horizon for them on top of that too you've got a level headed manager in uh, John Caulfield I, 
I backed Cork at the start of the year probably against my better judgment because I just figured that maybe three in a row for Dundalk was a big ask I don't think I anticipated Dundalk getting to the group stages I don't of European any, competition I don't think anyone did I, I think there's an outside chance that people thought they might you know if, if they got through the first couple of rounds who knew what could yeah. happen from there on in but I think for Cork they've definitely got a chance to make hay uh, while the, the sun shines here and I don't know. I back them. It's, I'm, I'm going to keep my uh, my hat firm on Cork for the, on the court. Court. Like they have, they have eleven league games left. They have one semi final, potential cup final. You mm. could say they have thirteen potential cup finals, including a cup final. In that, <laughs> not confusing at all, Daniel. <laughs> not confusing at all. Uh, but yeah, there you go. They've uh, they've beaten the cup specialists five 0 and uh, they have some big big fixtures on the way. Not least against cup specialist Shamrock Rovers uh, in the league. <laughs> this coming week in yes. the league as well. Yeah, weird the way the fixtures have panned out because we had uh, Wexford beaten by Derry in the cup last week, and Derry heading back down to Ferry Carrick Park this coming Friday too. And we'll be speaking to the Derry manager. I'm not sure if you mentioned it, Kenny Shields coming up very very shortly indeed. But uh, as you mentioned, that five 0 victory away to Shamrock Rovers impressing hugely. John Caulfield, who during the week was speaking to friend of the show Rory O'Hagan of Red FM. Our play and our intensity right from the start of the match was was fantastic and uh, you know I keep saying that if we start the match as well and we've shown over the last four matches that um, we started well and we got goals early and uh, we look a totally different team and it's back to probably where we were before the break but you know, we, we were very good and obviously, um, you know, it was just important for us to get through today's semi-final. I'm sure Shamrock Grove's a different game plan on Friday night, but, um, you know, to be three up after the half an hour was phenomenal and obviously mm. um, the quality of the goals was very good. I think Sean Maguire said afterwards that he identified that Rovers are going to go with a 3-5-2, which he said left a lot of individual matchups out there. So that's something he obviously identified in the build-up to the game that they were going to go and play like that and that's what he exploited. Well, yeah, every week, every team sort of works on their shape and how they're going to attack and how they're going to play and obviously... We would have done a lot of work last week because we saw their system and um, we felt there was opportunities for us and so approved. You know, but teams know each other so well now, so you're always looking for an angle. But um, we had watched them the previous week between Pats and Rovers and we just felt there was opportunities if our forward players were on, were on song that we could cause some problems. And uh, and we did that and we're happy about that. And as you mentioned as well, the goals that you did take were fantastic. Well, we do a lot of work on finishing and, you know, even when we're going through the spell where we hadn't scored a couple of goals there about a month ago, you know, every day at training we're working very much on our finishing and our movement and we do a lot of that type of stuff and uh, some of the goals obviously came from work and, and styles of play that we do at training so um, that was pleasing but overall you know the pace and the, the quality of the ball and the pullbacks and stuff was mm. was phenomenal and obviously the finishing was phenomenal and, and that's um, so that was all good and the confidence of the lads is good at the moment It's intermission time We're happy to have you with us tonight and hope you'll come back often John Caulfield there speaking to Red FM and thanks to Rory and Co for the loan of the audio there you can check out their uh, their fine coverage if you're not within the catchment area on redfm.ie good people that they are and they always look after uh, Cork City and their ilk but it's time it's time for our main event ladies and jelly spoons um, we've been talking about this man a lot on the show during the course of this season uh, both when I've been here and we've been away he was one of the early features in the show when we spoke to Eamon Donohoe who's now based over in Scotland about how this man had gotten on in the uh, the Scottish League over the past number of years. We even spoke to Liam Cole when you were in Rio about how good Derry have been this season under. It's like we've been making googly eyes at him from afar. Yeah. It's like we've been gazing across the discotheque hall looking at this guy and kind of going... He yeah. was on one side of the dance hall. Yeah. We were on the other. Kind of going, do you know what? If and now the slow set's starting. If something could happen here and you, you know what? The opening... Oh, there it is. Strange to purple rain has begun. <laughs> we're about to waltz arm in arm. Uh, with Kenny Shields who has brought great life and fervour to uh, to Derry City over the course of this season so far they're into a cup semi-final against Dundalk uh, more of which we'll talk to Kenny about uh, momentarily but we spoke to him about breathing new life into the league and especially into Derry City because hopes this season hadn't been so high yeah well it's uh, it's a collective effort it's not it's not about me it's about the young players that we have and, and the exuberance and the dynamic and all of that, and you put it all together, and and we've had a very, very good season. It's got to be, pr- um, it's got to be pretty gratifying for yourself personally, though, from the perspective that going into this season, I don't think there was many that were speaking about Derry City, even as being a top half of the table team this year. Yet here we are, seven games from the end of the season from a league perspective, and you're in the top three. You've got a cup semi final still to come. Uh, this has been so far, and we'll touch wood on your behalf as well. A pretty good year. I think it has, yes, and. Um, 
there goes the understatement. Yeah, I would agree <laughs> with that 100%. And we we definitely have worked really hard at what we do and how we do it. And it's my first season in, in the League of Ireland. And, you know, I've um, I come in here not knowing uh, a lot about it. Uh, the first thing I was told when I come through the door was that you've lost your five best players. And they've all went to, the, ironically, the teams that's in the semi-finals and the, and the of the FAI Cup now are have have got our players that were at our club last season and doing very well. But you know, as fit would have it, we've got the opportunity now to maybe write a new script. Kenny, with uh, there's already now seven games to go in the season, and Derry are already. 15 points better than they were in the league last year uh, have you been surprised by the quality of the league since you've come in have been have, have you even been surprised by the quality of the players in Derry at your own disposal I don't I wouldn't use the word surprised I think uh, I've been it's been pleasing to see the uh, the commitment levels and the adaptations to the style of play that we've used and you know they've been very receptive to that, and I think over the piece they've they've gradually and gradually took to it more and more, and, and I feel that the league itself is certainly it's underrated without a doubt. It's also underexposed, you know. And I like to buy papers. I hear a lot of managers saying, "No, oh, I don't buy the paper," which is a lot of rubbish. You. If you don't buy the paper, then you don't learn. And and I, I buy the paper to listen to all our managers' comments to see how their suspensions and injuries and things are going. I'm in the media all the time, and I must say I've been shocked by the lack of exposure. And, uh, you know, there's about 16, 18 pages to Gaelic, a couple of pages to three or four pages to rugby, and then you've got 12... 12 lines in, in a column about the League of Ireland, r- vastly underexposed, and I have to say, underpromoted by by the, the people that should be promoting it. Uh, do you regard that the people that should be promoting it as basically the FAI who run the league? I, I don't want to start singling people out. I think no matter what you do in any organisation, it's about getting teamwork and getting people to gather and delegating the workload I don't see that. I don't see that. I think there's little empires within it. And I know if I was in that role, I would improve it. And it's not my field. So there you go. That's I'm just a layman in that aspect. Do you think there's a, there's a role for the clubs to be more proactive in this? I mean, we saw recently with the uh, the the grants, uh, so-called, as they were being handed out to the clubs and the reaction from some uh, quarters to them. Do you think there's there's more of an opportunity, perhaps more of a, a moment, as it were, for clubs in the league to kind of take this thing by the horns themselves and, and force some kind of coalition to force action from those that run the league? Yes, I agree with that. And, you know, it's easy to complain and moan about lack of this and lack of that. But you've got people who talk and you've got people who do. And there's not enough doers, to be honest. And you're right in what you say. You know, you go around some clubs and, you know, the study is not... It's good from maybe a a playing purpose, but there's little things that needs to be dressed up around clubs. And pride is, is a big thing for me. And, you know, you go to Daily Mount, you go to, you know, if you look at Tala, Shamrock Rovers Stadium, there's been a lot of effort and finance put into that. That's an example of what can be achieved. And I know my club is going through a transitional period and they're trying to, the council are trying to update the ground for us. And these are things that has to happen to get families. And I know it's all places, but getting families back in the football. The Gillick is showing us up how they promote and how they cater for people coming to watch games and family day outs. And I know it's a parochial sport more so than, than soccer, but we have to take the ball by the horns and get people to be, as you said, proactive. 
Now, Kenny, I know Celtic Park is is only a stone's throw away from you at the Brandywell, and you've just spoken there about pride. I know at the start of the season, uh, you even offered uh, personally to bring season tickets to fans who weren't able to travel to the Brandywell to collect them. Yeah. How important yeah. is pride to you in Derry City and turning it into a uh, into a community club and trying to get it back to the glory days after some previous uh, tough years recently? Well, we've been doing a lot of that this season uh, to try and bring the city to the to the club and. You know, Derry people are very proud of their city. But when I put that offer out, I did it in Scotland, and it was a fantastic response in Scotland. When I did it in Derry, I think I had one request and to an old guy that I took um, a season ticket to his house, and he wasn't well, and the family were really, um, really proud of that and, and felt really important. And that's what we want. You know, the Derry people are... A different breed altogether. They're so warm and friendly, and you know, I, I expected them to receive that a little bit more, but it didn't happen. But we try everything. We go around schools, and we're trying to bring. When I came at the first uh, to Derry City, it was like there was a bit of fear in me because of the reputation of the Brandywell and Bogside, and in contrast to that, it's been so different. It's been absolutely. A great place to work, great people, you know, and, and people meet you and, and they're warm and friendly, totally contrasting to the times during the Troubles. And, and I go and I'm speaking with Protestant people, go to Protestant schools and try to get them, the children to come to the Brandywell because it's such, I think it has to change its image a little bit, which we're trying to work on and be more receptive to people coming to watch games. But we've got to work at it, and we work at it incessantly. All every day, we're we're trying to think of things to get more people in around there and make it more like a. It is a family club, but it's also needs to be more appealing to people, and and that's what we're working on from that front. Derry itself seems to be uh, it, it has its own identity, as it were. I'd imagine this is a, a slightly more difficult scenario when you've got a. a a county like Dublin that's basically packed with clubs and people are almost fighting for elbow room up there um, up in the northwest in particular I mean over in Donegal we've obviously got Finn Harps but yourselves have a clear run at this up at Derry and, and there's a chance to form something and forge something really long lasting during your tenure there I guess We have advantages and we've got disadvantages you know when you look at the VAT that we have to pay which other clubs don't uh, you, you look at the Accessing players is difficult because we're full-time, very much full-time, and part-time players in the Irish League have got two wages. You know, they've got their part-time wage from the club and they've got their day job. Irrespective of um, the talent that we have, there's always talent that we're trying to improve upon. And if there's really good players living within 10 miles or even with two miles from Derry. You know, money rules in, in this world, unfortunately, and they're getting better offers to go and play. We lost Philip Lowry last year, and he can play on a Friday night and play on a Saturday for Crusaders. We, we can't do that because we're full-time. We wouldn't even think about going there, about a player coming in on a Friday night to play Saturday because it, affects the whole team spirit and it affects the the working week it, it's, it's just not it's not good practice so we have a big disadvantage there the advantages we have which you said are, are quite minimal because you know Donegal is a great county for, for, for Gaelic and there's also sprinklings of soccer talent there as well from the Inishowan and, and from other parts of Donegal and we have um We've utilised that quite well, and we've brought through Barry McNamee, obviously, um, Mark Farron, um, Mark Timlin has gone to St. Pat's. You know, there's lots of great players that's played for Derry from Donegal over the years. And, again, people who work will go to play for Finn Harps as well. You've got to understand that too. But I don't want to go too much about the negatives, Richie. Mm-hmm. It's... There's lots of positive things happening at Derry and 
the league table doesn't lie and we're sitting joint second at the minute. And you have to say that that will inspire people to come and watch more so than anything you do in, in building communities, you know. And But it has to be a good place to come to. Yeah. And it is, it is, it really is. Um, success obviously creates visibility, especially from a club's behalf and getting through to an FAI Cup semi-final is... A brilliant achievement, not just for yourselves, but for anybody at this stage of the game as well. Going into the quarterfinal at Wexford, I believe you sat the players down uh, to watch a video of the win over St. Pat's in the final a couple of years ago. Is that right? Yep, I what, did. What was uh, the thinking behind that? Well, well, the logistics are that you, you look at it from the player's perspective and you think, what, what will inspire them? Because Wexford, there wasn't very many people at the game. It was like an environment that didn't lend itself to quarterfinals. No disrespect to them. It's fantastic stadia, brilliant people down there, but the numbers are not there to create an atmosphere. So I had a look at ways in which I could create an atmosphere to instill extra passion and make it more like a cup tie. So I used the most um, glaringly obvious, big atmosphere environment to prepare them the night before a game. We we sat and spoke, looked at the interviews, looked at... It was a four-hour program. We Obviously, we didn't watch all of it, but I took niblets out of it to demonstrate what Derry is all about, what it meant to the people of the city, what it meant to the players of the city. We have 12, 13 players every week in our squad from Derry and Donegal. So they can relate to that and they can see that will give them motivation to become part of that. And the top line was we're two games away from getting into that environment. That's not messed us up. And it was very motivational, but I would never do it in the semifinals because I think it's too close. It, yeah. it would bring pressure to, to the performance, but we used it in the quarterfinals and, the environment that we're going into in the quarterfinals wasn't going to be a full house. It wasn't going to have that feeling of we're in the quarterfinals of the Cup. So I had to create that feeling. And it worked really well because the players were absolutely high and buzzing and, and, and wanting to get out in the pitch they couldn't wait. With that now comes obviously back-to-back trips down to the uh, to the southeast and to Ferry Carry Park. Yeah, you've spoken about this, I suppose, to BBC Radio Foil during the week as well, and about the impact that that has on your squad being what six-hour bus journeys there and back. Um, what it has been the impact that you've seen visibly on the squad in the past week, or is it something that you won't really be able to assess until after the game is out of the way uh, this coming weekend? Well, you look at our squad depth, uh, and you compare it with with our opponents, all three opponents in the in the semi-finals. And it's nowhere near as, as deep as what they have. We've got players that we're using now that replaced the big gun at the start of the season are players from our under-19s. And they're they're thriving on it. This might be a journey too early for them, yeah. to be honest, because when you're playing in the semi-final, you know the rewards. It's only natural and it's only human for young players to be apprehensive and nervous they haven't been on this journey before, and that's going to be that could be a problem for us. But I'm speaking to them all the time about relaxation and building confidence and believing in what you do. All of these things are being put forward to try and help them prepare for such an occasion. Yeah, you've obviously a fair few difficulties to work through. Obviously, you mentioned the size of the squads, um, the the age profile of the squad is going to be a factor in all this as well as, as you pointed to there um, but given the, the quotes that you gave to Radio Foil we had uh, Stewie Byrne uh, was on Off the Ball here in Newstalk uh, earlier on in the week just wanted to give you I suppose a wider reply to this one as well because you were speaking about your comments uh, about fixture congestion during the week I just wanted you to take a listen to this if you can The travelling thing it does my head in absolutely does my head in go and join the Irish League stop moaning about it get on with it you know I don't, I don't understand that uh, you know the Finn Harps were at it as well earlier on in the season I mean, it does. It's does. It's nothing but a, p- a pure negative, or it's an excuse. It's you know, he talked there about wanting to build the club. If you want to build the club up, stop griping and start trying to win things. Kenny, from speaking to you over the past few minutes, uh, it is a general positivity that I get off you. I don't know if you have any comments to Stewie's uh, opinion there. No, that's fair. That, that's a fair comment. 
and um, you know you have to say that I was grating and it was in response to the questions of, of traveling and you know the power of language is a wonderful thing and he get out of the league <laughs> you can tell that he, he took that well <laughs> so um, you know he, he, this guy maybe hasn't managed uh, 30 young kids um, before and he doesn't understand maybe the powers of, of and the reasoning behind it but if you look at it from our perspective there is a lot of travelling we've played more away games than anyone else in the country this season and we've travelled more miles it does have an effect uh, I'm sure that Mr Byrne has been on long journeys to America and places like that and you're not like uh, exactly bubbly when you come out of those journeys there is a period of recovery and it does impinge on on the preparation because in everything you do in life including the football team especially preparation is the biggest part of it it's the most essential ingredient of any successful team or sport is the preparation if that's impinged upon because you're traveling for 12 hours and then you're traveling for 12 hours the next week there's 24 hours in in in, two, in one week, actually, mm. 24 hours traveling, that's bound to impinge. So I'm sorry if I, I've sounded as if I'm griping, but um, as long as it helps us to get a result, then I'll be, I'll be pleased. And uh, getting results is obviously the main thing. Uh, do you regard your main, I suppose, focus for the rest of the season, is it to kind of keep the players' heads in focus away from the thoughts of possibly a, an appearance at the Viva Stadium in an FAI Cup final should you get past Dundalk? Or is it necessarily holding off Shamrock Rovers? They're your main competitors, I guess, uh, for one of the European places in the league. Um, do you have priorities or is it basically everything from here on in as a bonus as far as you're concerned, given how well you performed so far this season? Um, I always I always prioritise. Always prioritise. And... Uh it's the same as looking at your opponent. There's certain things that you have to trade trade off, and certainly we prioritise in how we prepare and how we work. And you have to try and fulfil the maximum potential of your preparation, of your work, of your squad, and we do that. And anybody who has any sense will will do that. It's mm. it's that's the logistics of it. And we're going into this game now against Wexford in the league it's it's quite a unique situation and, and we're trying to create a fanfare for it but whilst we're playing Waxford they're aware they're aware that Finn Harps and Longford are playing each other so something's going to give because Longford and Finn Harps are their rivals as far as league positioning is concerned and they have a lot to play for and they see this as an opportunity to, to gain ground because something's going to give them the other game. Hmm. And ours is exactly the same because Rovers and Cork are playing each other. So there's a lot of um, motivational tools going into these games, this game t- tomorrow night against Waxford. We've just beaten them. They're going to be up there and um, highly motivated to play us. So I feel that we must use every little ounce of an edge that we can possibly get for every game. It's a good way forward. Uh, Kenny, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today and uh, thanks so much for taking time out. Uh, I know it's it's been a, been a pretty hectic few weeks for you uh, up there in Derry, so uh, thanks for speaking uh, to us here on the podcast. Tell that guy Byrne to go and get a cup of coffee and relax and look out at the beautiful views of the Shannon and and and, the, and get himself <laughs> pacified. <laughs> we'll we'll <laughs> pass it on. Can. What a delight that was. Kenny Shields. Derry City Manager speaking to us here on the Newstalk SSE Electricity League podcast. I am a big fan of the man. I certainly am too. I've He's definitely the most interesting man in the league. I think for all our talk earlier on of Shawnee Maguire being one of the greatest player additions to the league this season, I think in general personnel terms, I don't think there's been a greater ad no. than Kenny Shields. Just for the, the level of thought he puts into things. Like even there when we're speaking to him, when people may listen, they may see it as an awkward pause. No. Nope. But he is thinking 
precisely of every word he says. Every single word. Yes. It's not like us coming in here and rambling about wrestlers wearing football jerseys. <laughs> every word means something to him. Exactly. Uh, he's not a spoofer. The man is, there's a lot of genuine intent behind him. And when he sinks his, 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 his fingernails into something, he really has a grasp of it and he really wants to take this Derry project. I hate using the word project in terms of a football club, but I think I think he might see it in those terms and yeah. that he wants to get from point A to point B with this club. And I think he's a decent chunk of the way along the road now and probably a season earlier than expected. Totally. Because they're third in the league. There's every chance they could hold on to that position for a Europa League spot. And they're into the semi-finals of the FAI Cup, which for them up there would be absolutely massive renovations ongoing at the Brandywell there's a chance for them to build something really really big and concrete pardon the pun up in Derry for the coming years there certainly is and like as you said there with how the season has gone I was speaking to him at the launch at the league launch in the Aviva at the start of the season and when you're at these events you go in you try and speak to specific managers you have specific lines and with Derry there actually wasn't that much to talk about everybody shrugged the shoulders at Derry they're probably going to struggle this year yeah he came in, a uh, new manager to the league, even though he's from Derry, he has had no league around experience. People yeah. thought he mightn't uh, know what to expect of the league after spending so much time in Scotland. They didn't have a lot of players, they had struggled financially, and they've been an absolute breath of fresh air in this league. And looking at the table, they probably will, they probably won't finish in the top two. They've played four games more than Cork City, but yeah. third place and back into Europe is certainly a realistic output for them. Okay. Kenny Shields we were delighted to speak to him and uh, do you know what we were talking about newcomers as well we should probably speak to Dave Robertson as well because I think getting to fifth at Saigo Rovers where they are on the table too especially after the start start of the season they had the influx of players that they had adjusting to the league and a manager adjusting to the league I mean it's been a phenomenal season for them too and his story alone as well we're talking about 100% uh, Kenny's main gripe of the week and we say gripe perhaps not the wrong term or the wrong term to use now at this stage but one of Kenny's talking points of the week and the general talking points is about fixture congestion, about how these things have impacted on a squad that isn't necessarily as deep as Derry's, uh, as Dundalk, sorry, in terms of being Derry. Uh, but as Kenny mentioned, they're a full-time club. They Dundalk are. similar. Other clubs aren't so lucky. And we spoke to, well, Ollie Horgan, pardon me, spoke to Highland Radio after their defeat to Dundalk on Monday night. A game which we found out was pretty, pretty hastily arranged and it's the hastily arranged nature of the fixture list given the involvement of other clubs and other competitions that bothers Ollie Horgan. Look, I don't know if it was the right time to explain this or not, but you know, we were made aware of this game last weekend. All of a sudden be the game on Monday week, as I was told, in Dundalk, if they don't draw with UCD. These lads are working. They work for a living. They 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 get their petal money if they're lucky with us. They have to work and they they they've monthly schedules to go and, and, and plan for. How in the name of God can you be told last last Saturday week you're playing possibly on Monday week. We didn't know. I was at the game at Belfield where they won against uh, UCD 1-0. UCD could have equalised. Well, I won't say they could have equalised in the last minute. We didn't know until till 10 o'clock on Friday night that we were here. You know, so these lads have planned to get time off for their games. So, you know, if it was a little bit of negotiation, don't get me wrong, you know, but we're a part-time club. We don't have full-time players that can play any hour every day of the week. But it is what it is. Uh, you know, it's not a good time ever to go to Dundalk, as you saw. But, look, we'll move on. There's no point in me whinging to you. So there you go. That's Ollie Horgan's take on things. And 100% justified opinion on it is, too. I mean, if you're only finding out 72, whatever about Dundalk having to play a game 72 hours before they play in the Europa League, only finding out about a game yeah. 72 hours before it is actually played is insane. And with Finn Harp's precarious position in the league, exactly. points like this, even though at the start of the season, an away game against Dundalk may have been notched in the potential loss pile, but still they need to prepare for all these games as if their life depended on it because they're only five points clear of Wexford outside the playoff spots. And like it is even affecting the players. I know Richard Brush, the Finn Harps goalkeeper, yeah. on Twitter uh, earlier uh, last week, he came out with uh, two tweets. Next season, all teams and days of the week into a hat on a Sunday and pick out the fixtures for the following week. Any team on any day. We can call it rolling fixtures. The game must be played regardless. Staff and fans can play in games too if it clashes with work, Europe or nights out. It is grim. It is. It's it's really grim. It needs to be managed way better than it has been this year. And to do that, I suppose you need a far more involved administrator in the league you than is perhaps do. there at the moment. And, and you also need to plan for what is happening now. It's happened three times in the last, uh, two times in the last few years, where League of Ireland teams get into the group stages of the Europa League. I'm not saying this will happen every year. It's a weird one, but though. the league organisers now need to be planning as if this will happen but they work to give because obviously summer football is all with this idea of giving teams an advantage if yeah. they want to progress in Europe and then with the rearranged fixtures they say oh well we'll give you a week off if you've got a European game that week 
but they never anticipate anybody getting to the group stages yeah. and the just tumult that that causes. But like I know even uh, when the League of Ireland fixtures come out every year, they have a provision around cup final weekend that if the team, if a team in the cup final is also in the relegation promotion playoff, yeah, that the second leg is moved to a few days after the cup final. I think it's supposed to take place on the Friday night of cup final weekend. So that simple provision is already there from the start of the season that teams know if the situation happens, but it's the game won. will be moved. I mean, there's greater aspects to play here and there's more clubs affected. I mean, I think I saw when they were talking about the rearranged fixtures with Dundalk getting into the group stages, one of the teams affected is Bowes. And, you know, your last, you know your last game of the season is usually kind of a home game of the season, yeah. sorry. It's kind of a festive atmosphere. There's a celebration the fans, of the season, of course. Celebration yeah. season. I think Bowes finished with three away games, yeah. given the way things have finished. So our last home game is four games before the end of the year. So, you're essentially saying goodbye to Denny Mount and the season. Four games. You're not writing off the last three games yeah. by any means, but the home supports are just kind of left twiddling their thumbs. And you have to add in all the money that comes into all clubs from get receipts. Yeah. I mean, and, and you know, four games out doesn't have the same merit as you know the second last game. Like the that's last the game. reason you play home away, home away, um, uh, almost all all possible occasions. We're in danger of lapsing into another conversation about who should be running the league. Maybe when the season's over. Not the FAI. Uh, this coming week uh, there is silverware to be determined on Saturday Dan uh, there is uh, the appropriately titled AS Sports League Cup Final uh, it's taking place in Marketsfield which uh, there was a draw for whether what team should have home advantage mm. and it was Marketsfield which was only opened up last year so it's great to see the new stadium getting a final at the one of the earliest possible opportunities they yeah. play St. Patrick's Athletic in the final and of course last season St. Pat's in a similar scenario travelled west to Galway and won the League Cup last year, so they're hoping for the same this year. And Pats are the only team to beat Limerick competitively this year. I still kind of fancy Limerick for this one. Oh, I 100% honest, fancy yeah. Limerick for this. Uh, Half-five kickoff for that one on Saturday. On Friday, as you might imagine, slightly curtailed fixture list because of Dundalk's involvement in Europe and St. Pats as well in the EA Sports Cup final. So, star of the show is Cork City against Shamrock Rovers. Can Cork build on that 5-0 thrashing of the hoops? This coming Friday, that's down at Turner's Cross and has a 7.45 start. As you mentioned, Go United, they are at home to Bohemians. There's a 7.45 start for that one too at Eamon DC Park. We mentioned Finn Harps and Longford, huge relegation six-pointer kids uh, at Finn Park. Eight o'clock kickoff on Friday night for that one. And then Wexford Youths taking on Kenny Shields and Derry City at Ferry Carry Park at eight. And in the... Uh, uh, Carlisle Grounds on Saturday you heading to Seaside Dan? I am certainly good stuff get the dart down lovely evening by the seaside oh, it is isn't it isn't it it's great oh, if you get the weather for it I might even get a cone it's a bit cold for cones uh, I had a cone last night and done a repair there's nice chipses down there actually in Bray there so uh, get the chipses into you uh, it's Bray versus Sligo at the Carlisle at 7.30 on Saturday uh, in the first division Dan three games three games Friday all night. on Friday night all at 7.45 it's Drawhead against Shelburne in United Park UCD take on Cove Rounders in Belfield and last but not least, it is Waterford United against Cabin Teeley, and that's in the RSC. Rafa Benitez is Waterford United against Cabin Teeley. Uh, as ever, if we haven't mentioned your club or talked about them in depth this week, that's because you're lowly minnows and we wouldn't waste our time on you. And that includes you, Celtic fans. Yes. It's, they've just had a, they've had an okay week. They have had an okay week. As Irish clubs in Europe go, they're not one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll talk to you next week. Bye.